What's up, everybody? How are we? Welcome to a beautiful shit show podcast where we unpack the chaos and beauty that is the human experience. My name is Elizabeth Haney, aka Biz, and I am your host. It is 12.01 a.m., one minute past midnight. I just got home from work. I am a bartender slash server slash manager whatever they need me for that day (laughs) at Vinyl Steakhouse here in New York City. Not too late of a night for working in the service industry. All my service industry folks will understand that. You know, majority of the places I've worked at actually in the past, getting home at 4 a.m., 3, 4 a.m. is not unusual. So getting home at midnight is an absolute treat. I'm not upset about that. But yeah, here I am recording the intro for episode number two that I'm launching 12 hours from now, because <laughs> I am a chronic procrastinator and have yet to figure out how to not be that way. We're figuring it out. And plus, also, I just launched this thing. I'm still trying to figure out how to do this and how to come up with a system. And yeah, it's just me running this thing. I don't really have much help right now. So yeah, we're going to do this. I'm a single mom. My son is with his dad. I only work on the days that he's not with me. I am grateful and very blessed to have a job that allows me to work three to four days a week and make enough money to survive, which is great. So I work, like I said, only on the days that he is not here. And then the days that he is with me, we get plenty of good quality time. So it's good. So I have to pack in what I want to do for myself on the days that he is not here um, trying to edit a podcast, record a podcast with a three-year-old running around in the background. Not really an option. So here we are recording kind of late at night. <laughs> I will find a better system eventually, I am sure. Um, yeah, find a better way to manage this so I am not recording during my bedtime. But for now, this is what we're doing and I'm happy to do it. I love doing this, so it's fine. So I'm the oldest of seven girls. My sister, Sarah, who is right below me in age, came to visit a couple weeks ago for Pride. Her and her girlfriend came to visit. We had a great time. It was a lot of fun. They engaged more in the Pride activities than I did. I was working and had my son, but I was able to go to House Yes with them, which was a fucking blast. We went to a drag show before that as well. Um, It was really the first time that I was actually able to participate in pride activities since I moved here. I was either pregnant or working or just had a baby or the pandemic or something. So this was like my first year really participating and it was a lot of fun and I was very excited and grateful to be able to do it. So to give you guys a little bit of a backstory on how my sisters and I were raised. So we were raised in what is called the Society of St. Pius X which is a part of the traditional Roman Catholic Church. Now, there are only 30,000 members in the entire world that are a part of this society, and it is a very conservative community of people. The service is said in Latin. The women have to wear veils on their heads. Couldn't really show your arms. Short sleeves at at least. Couldn't wear tank tops. Your skirts or dresses had to be, be below your knees. Me and my sisters were the only girls in our entire congregation who played who played sports. We were the only 
family who went to public school instead of being homeschooled. So just to kind of give you an idea of how we were raised as kids. So we were raised in a very, very strict household. We were very sheltered and restricted on movies we could watch and, and music that we could listen to and clothes that we could wear and things like that. So there's, you know, obvious things that children should not be watching or listening to, but there were some things that we were restricted from that maybe wouldn't really make that much sense to people looking in from the outside. It was just very strict, black and white, certain things, that's it. No, you're just not, you're not watching it. You're not listening to it. We're not doing it. That's it. No questions asked. So one of the teachings that we were taught growing up was that engaging in a homosexual relationship was wrong. Which I'm sure doesn't come as a surprise considering we were raised in such a conservative church and household. So my sister Sarah is a queer woman and she agreed to come on my podcast and be my very first guest. Thank you, Sarah, for agreeing to do this. And she came on and very candidly and openly spoke about the struggles that she has dealt with leading up to and after coming out as a queer person. Now, just a little bit of a fair warning. This episode may be a little triggering for some people. We do touch a little bit on suicidal ideation. So just want to warn on that just in case you are not in the headspace to listen to something like that today. But we mostly focus on the struggles that she has had in navigating the differing beliefs between she and our parents. Now, complete and full disclosure, I feel like I I need to, I want to, I want to touch on this before we dive into this episode, is both of our parents are wonderful and amazing people, and I would not trade them for anything, and I just, oh, just love them both so, so much, and I know that they love all of us more than anything, but when it comes to having pretty drastic difference in beliefs between child and parent, things can get a little tense sometimes, you know, but overall, everything generally remains pretty respectful and cordial, which is great, which I know is a lot more than a lot of people can say. So we are very grateful for that. And mom and dad, if you're listening, I don't want you to think that we're bashing you by any means at all. We're not. You're just, you're both just so great. And I'm just so grateful for the both of you, like I said, but yeah, just wanted to say that. Wanted to put that out there. So thank you for everyone for listening. This is episode number two. It is messy. The audio is weird. I kept touching the microphone for some fucking reason. So you're going to hear that. My sister Sarah burps right in the beginning, like literally first second (laughs) of the episode. That is the first thing that you're going to hear. And then at some point, you know, we recorded this at night when, when my son was asleep. So you're going to hear Sebastian get up. He woke up and was like basically sleepwalking and ran into the wall. And you're, you're going to hear that. So it's messy. If you listen to episode one, I talked about that. It's going to be messy at first because I don't, I don't know what I'm doing and trying to figure out this audio and editing and all of this stuff. And it'll get better as we go. But this is the beginning and you guys get to witness the shit show of a beautiful shit show. <laughs> so without further ado... My very first guest to a beautiful shit show, my amazing sister who I love very much, Sarah Haney. Enjoy. 
don't think I have nope. that. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. Don't stop it. Okay. <laughs> Can you uh, keep going? Unbelievable. Hold on. Okay. What's up, dude? Not much. <laughs> Just hanging in New York, having a big old gay weekend with my girlfriend Tosh here in the back. She asked me to be her girlfriend yesterday. Aww. I was supposed to do it. It didn't happen. Wait, you didn't tell me that. Well. What happened? Hello? <laughs> oh. Yeah. I asked. <laughs> and that's it? was it. just at the parade. She was like, so, I have to ask in the spirit of pride, will you be my girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you tell her what you're going to do with I the said, cupcake? Fuck no. Why? Oh, good. <laughs> Did you tell her what you're going to do with the cupcake? Oh, yeah. Cute. Well, I'm happy you guys are here. Yeah, happy Pride. First New York City Pride. Kind of yeah. for me, too, because I haven't been able to engage in anything in the five years of me living here. This is the first time, so it was fun. What did we do the first night? Very fun. Uh, where we go? <laughs> <laughs> we went to a drag show. Oh, right. Yes. Drag show with my dear friend, Chase, drag name, Ajada, performing. Awesome. Shout out, Ajada. Shout out, Ajada. <laughs> so much fun. And then to the iconic House of Yes, which was pretty sick. I don't know if I would go back. To House of Yes? Yeah. Really? I mean, it was fun, for sure, but, like, it's not a place that I would plan to go to. Like, if someone invited me, and there's, like, an, like, and there's like an event, I, I would, I don't know, I'll probably go and get back and get one of those tattoos. Yeah. That they had. It's much more of an event space. Yeah. Well, anyways, it's been a very fun weekend. Today's, what, the eight-year anniversary that the Supreme Court assigned that gay marriage is legal, right? Eighth? Yeah. That's it? I think so, yeah. I don't know. I think it's eight years. I saw Ellen, she posted on her Instagram. There's a picture of her and Portia for their wedding, and I think she said eight years ago today. Oh. Which is nuts. That, that was like only... a very short period of time. Not when long was... ago. Was it? Yeah, 2015. That's nuts. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, anyways, Sarah... My sister, one of six, four biological, two step. Okay, so happy Pride. I guess it's whole Pride Month, but Pride Weekend is over, right? It's Monday. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yes. So we haven't even really talked about this much. Like, we haven't really had a conversation, like, too deep about your sexuality or how you identify before so this should be interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you want to share with everyone how you told me that <laughs> that you were queer? Yeah. <laughs> you were the second person I told. And I had gotten out of class. I was in grad school in Chicago. And I was at the gym. Just like sitting. I wasn't even at the gym. I was sitting down in the lobby just like literally staring at the wall <laughs> because the night before I had first told Ari and then I was like okay I've gotten it out to one person now I 
finally have some courage to say it to other people and I you were gonna call me I knew you were gonna call me for something and <laughs> the conversation I was like so um also I think girls are pretty sometimes <laughs> and you were like okay so do I and I was like no but like <laughs> and then I don't remember what I said after that I blacked out no, that's exactly how it went. You're like, I just, I don't know. I have something to tell you. And I'm like, okay, what's up? And I'm thinking that something really bad happened. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, what have you done? Like, what, did you commit a crime? What's happened? And you're like, I just, I, I don't know. I just, I just think that girls are pretty sometimes. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, cool. Me too. And you're like, no, like, I just, I think they're pretty. And I'm like, Okay. So you think you're gay and you're like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Because I can never be direct about my feelings. No, God forbid. So when, what year was that? 2019, April. (laughs) April, 2019. So, oh man, like only four years ago. And then when... How much longer did it take you to be more open with it? Did you do kind of like a a mass announcement to your friends or... You told Catherine, our other sister. We have six of them. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I told Catherine because Catherine's also queer and I had known that about her before that. So I like, I had already known this about myself since I was like, or actually started... I don't know, having these conversations in my head realistically when I was like 18. But in hindsight, I think about a lot of things growing up that make some dots connect. But I don't know. Yeah, once I started telling people... Well, can I first tell you how I told Ari? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because, so also I had come back from class really late and... Ari, my roommate at the time, there was four of us total living there. We didn't have a dishwasher in Chicago and I wasn't pulling my weight because it was around finals time and I was writing my thesis and so I just wasn't doing anything at home. And I got back from class and she was really frustrated with me. She was like, Sarah, your shit's everywhere. You need to be doing your dishes. I don't appreciate this. And she was actually mad and I was just like, at the point this had been going on so long in my head all of grad school most of junior and senior year of undergrad that I hadn't said anything to anyone and this was in the kitchen when she was saying this to me and I was slowly backing into our pantry closet (laughs) like as she was telling me so I was physically in a closet and I I sat down on a stool in the closet started sobbing and I was like Ari I think I'm gay. (laughs) And I was crying so hard. And she was like, what? I was fucking talking about the dishes. (laughs) But once I said that out loud to her, I literally felt like I had 10 elephants get off my shoulders. And then it all changed. And I started just openly talking about it and then realized that I had been putting so much pressure on myself and it was a lot easier just to say it out loud and that it was much more okay than I had been making it out to be. Right. Well, why do you think, like, first thing that comes to mind is, like, what was hesitating? Hesitating? Yeah. Yeah, hesitating you from uh, 
just being open about it sooner because you said you've been thinking about that for since you're 18 mm-hmm. four years ago how old are you you're gonna be 28 so that's like six years of just sitting with that mm-hmm. so you know obviously the way we were raised big part in that we'll get to that in a little bit but do you think that's the main reason why you didn't want to say anything or what was the fear behind being open yeah I mean it was mostly I mean that's all I could think about was how my family would react and it was because we grew up in such a very very strict Catholic traditional household it was taught to us that it was bad very bad but I also didn't actually feel like I had an understanding or knew what gay or queer or anything meant until I left for college and had the opportunity to understand it for myself and see it in real life because I I don't do you even I don't remember seeing any gay or lesbian or queer couples like they were there at high school but I just didn't think about it Uh, El Dorado in high school Um, yeah or just like adults or like anyone in our life I mean I don't remember seeing that no and like we're very restricted in things that we could watch and things we could listen to we yeah but we weren't exactly thinking about it either so it's one of those things where you're not looking for it so you don't see it yeah but i mean no not off the top of my head i can't really think i mean people on tv i guess that doesn't really count but no not really at all okay so you started telling your friends and how long did it take you to tell who did you tell first mom or dad mom and when was that day after mother's day good (laughs) good timing (laughs) day after mother's day wait should i answer your first question I don't remember what my first question Well, yes, was. I was terrified to say anything to anyone and just had it in my mind that I was just going to keep this to to my grave. And I was just going to die a sad, <laughs> a sad, lonely, fake, straight person. <laughs> and I was going to continue to date men in hopes that they'd make it go away and just be miserable and resent them and hate them (laughs) oh my god fucking my last boyfriend patrick (laughs) i hated him so much (laughs) won't say his last name (laughs) (laughs) i hated him so much because obviously i didn't like him but that's what i did for like remember austin i dated him my senior year Mm -hmm. sorry austin you're a really cool person but it just wasn't working and i was hoping it would make it stop But I was too scared because I literally thought if I did say anything, then no one in my life was going to talk to me again. It was just so dramatic. And I had built up this narrative in my head that I thought was fully true. And I thought my parents were never going to talk to me. I felt that same way about my sisters, which was stupid because I should have known better. But it just didn't matter. Just this idea of what I thought was something that was so bad. And that couldn't be my reality. And so I just kept it all inside. Before I even told anyone anything, I was planning on going to therapy about it. 
and I would write in my journal and couldn't even get myself to write out the words of saying like what I had going on inside. And so I would just kind of allude to the potential idea of what I knew. And I had this, what is it when you have initials of things, an acronym, I should get that tattooed of MLG might like girls <laughs> and <laughs> I was planning on I had this therapy session scheduled and I had my notes written down of what I was going to talk about and MLG was the big point <laughs> that I might like girls still had to say might I couldn't even say LG <laughs> and then I go to the fucking therapy session and I lied I didn't even talk we talked about bullshit I didn't even say why I was really there and then I left like even more defeated and then after that I remember I was like this is it like I'm gonna die but yeah it was just mostly how we were raised religion based so yeah the way we were raised I just remember being told that being gay isn't a sin because you are born the way you're born and God creates you perfectly. Being gay isn't a sin, but acting on it is a sin. Mm-hmm. So you're just put on this earth and you're not allowed to be who you are, <laughs> which is like... It's pretty funny. just doesn't make sense. Like you say it out loud and it's, you know... I remember really being told like, oh, that was just like your cross to carry. Yeah, word for word. Yeah, across the carry. You're not a bad person for being gay. You just can't act on it. And it's like that. Unfortunately, it's the cross you have to bear. Yeah, for the cross you have to bear, which is what? Yeah. That's gay. I'm going to try it. It's so gay. <laughs> so, yeah. So growing up, that obviously we were told that that wasn't okay. Did you have any of these feelings as a kid? Do you remember having crushes on on other girls in in school like elementary middle school or you're just not interested in just people in general during that time no i mean i still very much liked boys in like middle school and like high school at the end of high school is probably where i feel like it shifted the most but that was still very true for me and i don't i just don't think I had the capacity or awareness to explore, understand what else relationships could be like because I didn't see any of that representation and so it just wasn't even an option. So I just like, didn't know. I remember my best friend in middle school and we'd have sleepovers all the time and we'd always sleep in her backyard in our sleeping bags. And I remember every time like, I didn't know what was going on, but I just had such intense feelings about how badly I wanted to be in her sleeping bag with her. (laughs) But I would never say anything or never do anything about it. But I just had that thought all the time. And I remembered this memory a few years ago and I was like, holy shit. And then I just remembered how strong that feeling was. And various memories have come back to me like that over the years. So you... you so you think you just, you couldn't put a name to it, basically, because it's not something that it was talked about, and it was just said that this was wrong. So do you think, like, subconsciously, your brain was just like, well, I don't know what the fuck that is, because, you know, like, you talk about, like, learned behavior, mm-hmm. everything, so do you think that's what it was? Like, Yeah, I mean, I didn't know how else, like, where else to go with that. It was just, 
I remember it was just like a feeling that I had and that's all it was and all it could be because I didn't know there was another anything option. else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we said earlier, like, I don't think we, we didn't have any interaction with any gay people growing up at all. No, I can't think of that at all. I don't remember any of it. Yeah. I don't think our parents, I mean, I don't think they would have intentionally kept us from, but also like growing up, it still wasn't, I mean, we're being raised in the South. Like it's not, people were open really. Yeah. In that part of the country, especially, and not really so much during that time. Mm -hmm. And plus being children, like I said, you're not really going to be aware of that too much. Yeah. Do you remember the first time that you were introduced to a queer person or like the first time you witnessed a gay relationship or mm-hmm. yeah it was when I was at U of I on the soccer team there are two girls that were dating Sarah and Claire <laughs> ironic <laughs> uh, yeah and we were at a party and they had kissed and I was like why did you guys do that <laughs> like why do you guys do that and they're like because we're dating bitch I was 19 I was literally 19 I was like why'd you do that they're like because we're dating and I'm like no you're not I literally was like no you're not and they're like yeah we are watch and then they made out again I was just like and I felt like a fucking idiot because I was just like where have I been I feel so stupid because it's been like I'm so old you know but it also wasn't like I knew that it was a thing but also didn't it was such a strange feeling and such like a I don't know I felt like I was like an alien in a way and I was on this different planet for so long and then we got here and was able to see whatever and then Mm -hmm. from that moment was when something switched and then this lens cleared and then I saw so many other queer relationships at a massive university I don't know dude I was just very very filtered and just wasn't aware yeah well I mean like in college people are free of their parents (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. they're out and they're on their own and they're like yeah I'm gonna do whatever the fuck I want yeah and I think also during that time I A lot of what I did was for dad in a way, and I did what he told me to do, kind of. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have moved to Illinois and went and played soccer and went to school at any of those places if he didn't suggest it and say this would be a really good idea for you. And I've always just very much admired his opinions and looked up to him a lot, and I just kept that as my guidelines for several years. And... That was another thing that held a lot of weight is that I knew that if I were to ever say anything to him, then I wouldn't have his relationship in my life anymore either. And so anytime those thoughts would come into my mind, I would just do anything I can to turn it the other way and wouldn't let it sink too far until it just like kept going, going, going. How did the conversation with dad go when you finally told him? When did you tell him? I told mom in May. I told dad in June that following month because I was like it's pride month I have to and I mean it was fine 
he was just like, I love you regardless, but don't support you and I don't support this. And that's pretty much it. And basically the bomb said the same thing too. Yep. So I'm sure like hearing that come from your parents was difficult. Um, you know, they've, you know, identify as a straight person and, you know, but there are, are things of course that I've told them that I believe in and they're just not, not for it at all. And you can't expect your parents to be for everything that you do. But when it comes to something as big as your sexuality, it's, I could imagine that's just really hard. Have you been able to have, like, do you, do you choose to speak to them about things like this or do you just avoid conversation? Yes, I mean, I avoided it for a long time. Obviously at first, but at the end of grad school, it was just like fully crash and burn. Like I felt like I was like suicidal and it got to the point where I was like, I'm either gonna kill myself or I have to tell somebody. And I was like, surely that can't be the option for me. When I came out to them, I came out to them and told them about my girlfriend at the time because I felt like I had to have a reason to say it and justify what was going on and I mean still I don't like share I feel like I live my own life my own personal queer life and then there's the life that like they know about too and that's partially me just choosing to keep things comfortable between all of us because I know it is uncomfortable for them, but also I just don't want to because they have said time and time again that they don't support it and they don't agree with any of it. If I were to share everything that's actually going on in my life and talk about my life freely, like I feel like I used to when I was only dating men, they'd have a fucking conniption. And <laughs> you talk to them freely about you like dating with guys? Yeah. Like I don't know. Define freely. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like if me and Austin were going out to dinner or something, I would easily just say that or talking about going on a trip with Austin or whatever. And I talk about that with dad. Dad would be like, oh my God, that's so cool. And dad fucking loved him. And he, they would be so genuinely excited for me and would love to just hear all the tea about what was going on in my relationships. And same with mom. It just made her really excited about it. And I think... For so long growing up, I just was never really open about my personal life and feelings in general. And so I think that is something that they appreciated a lot. And that's something dad was asking for was to be more involved in that stuff. And I began to do it more and then it was easier to do, but it was also like fake in a way. But now it's reverted back to how it was before when I wouldn't talk about those things. Um, and no, I don't really share a lot of that side of my life with them because it's not comfortable and I just don't want to deal with it but that's not really advocating for myself and I don't want to be doing that anymore. I mean yeah like you said it's not really advocating for yourself and do you think that if you were you know able to be more open with them and share your life with them more that with time that they would be able to understand and maybe not fully change their point of views because it's like I was saying the other day, that's so hard to do. It's like, 
I don't, I hope this doesn't come off insensitive or like, I don't know how else to word it, but like, teaching an old dog new tricks type of thing, you know, like, trying to get someone who's been so set in their ways for so long to see otherwise. Yeah. It's difficult. But do you think by being open with your relationships and showing them that so cliche love is love <laughs> love is love and that you're in you know have been in good relationships and then are being loved by someone else that they would be able to at least be open to hearing about it i mean they are open to hearing about it at the end of the day they are generally respectful at least to me or they try to be um yeah because they're not I mean, from what I've seen, they're not awful about it by any means. Like, I've, I've witnessed so much worse, you know, with with parents just completely shutting out their children and just, like, hating them, basically, which is just awful. But it's still... I don't know. I mean, again, I'm just, like, hopeful with more time that they'd be able to. Like, I mean, do you feel like it's kind of gotten just easier? I mean, it's gotten easier over the years. Mm, no. <laughs> no? I I don't think it's gotten... Well, I don't know. I've gotten more confident in myself and more sure of that. And I guess more confident in my identity. And that's just been through time. But no, it's never been easy to have any of those conversations every time I still clench my fists and just like whenever I say I just hope for the best yeah but I don't know I've always been the one that has had to initiate those conversations and they've never been ones to start it and yeah I have done that more so I think that helps too but their responses don't change everything that they have said in the beginning has stayed true now. And so it's just really frustrating. That's why it feels like a lost cause and there's no like real point into having these conversations because it just feels like a big circle that we're going in. And I still feel like they're just like, thinking it's a phase and waiting for it to go away or something. Because I know they don't, based on their responses, I don't feel like they fully believe that it's my truth or reality or something and I know that it was definitely something that they were surprised about which is fair yeah I mean I was surprised too I'm surprised just because I just genuinely had no idea not shocked by any means I feel like my reaction was pretty decent (laughs) Yeah, it was, like, whatever. It was just, like, a normal conversation. Like, it had no... (laughs) I was the one that placed all this weight. But, I don't know. Saying that it's not something that I want to be doing anymore. I'm done kind of, like, protecting them and altering myself and what I say in order to make them more comfortable. That's why I'm actually looking forward to telling them about my relationship now and just fully trying to integrate that part of my life and more with my family because there is such a disconnect there also impacts my relationship on for me and how I can move forward with that because family is is so important and 
I don't want that disconnect to be there, but also at the end of the day, there's only so much that I can do to build that bridge. Yeah, and it's up to people to be able to be willing to be open, which I would say they're not. I feel like it's just conflicting for them too because of their religious beliefs that have been instilled in their brain, so deep in their brain since birth. It's just like a matter of not being educated and feeling uncomfortable with it and I don't know, I just like to think with time and more exposed to it that because they're not exposed mm-hmm. <laughs> by any means. Mm-hmm. You know, I know like for me living in New York and working where I do work, the restaurant that I work at, forty percent of the staff is queer. I know that number because me and Chase wrote a list. <laughs> and we broke it down between queer people and straight people. And that's how we presented it to Kevin, the owner of Vinyl Steakhouse. We're like, hey, we should close for Pride because 40% of your staff is gay. It's almost 50 and (laughs) it's homophobic if we don't. Yeah, and he was like, sold, let's do it. Wait, you did? Which is great, yeah. They weren't open yesterday. Oh. Yeah. In New York and working where I do, like, I just, I've, I've learned a lot, you know? I've definitely learned a lot about the transgender community, non binary community just a lot about just the queer world in general that i wasn't exposed to in north carolina um at all i mean i can i have like two gay friends in north carolina Wilmington's a pretty inclusive place like as far as being in the south it's not as conservative i'd say it's a little bit more chill but um, still, it wasn't something that was like op- openly s- spoken about. So that's why I say maybe, like you said, advocating advocating for yourself and you know not um, you know trying to shove this information down their throats because you know that's people don't respond usually to that. But like being more open with it like might be beneficial. Yeah. But. Yeah, I know that it's something that I need to do more and take more responsibility for that which I've never felt so inclined to do more than I have now. (laughs) I don't know if I structured that right. Or as of recently, like within the last year. Have you tried to have a conversation with them about just being like, hey, look, like, can I at least try to not change your mind, but can you listen to this? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Many times. I mean... Yeah, and like I said, it's just all the same responses. In the past, I wasn't able to have any of these conversations or get through a single sentence without just sobbing because... It's out of frustration. Frustration, also, like, feeling scared, and... Yeah, their responses were just, like, so not loving or understanding. And... I took it very personally... But it's not my responsibility that they, that this is what they believe. And I am so happy that this is what I know and what I believe in what I know to be true. And that like, I, Uh-oh. oh, you just ran into the wall. Oh, gosh. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, fall back to what you said, sir. This is what you know to be true. And. 
I don't know. It's just, it's so fucking cool. And it's so beautiful. And I'm just so glad that my idea of love and what I thought relationships were supposed to look like when I was younger has expanded so much and continues to do so. And I just like hope that's something that they can understand and adopt for themselves one day because it does only good things, you know? Right. Yeah, and it's just so... It's just like the Christian views... I mean, not all Christians feel this way by any means. I feel the more conservative Christian branches out of what's the what's denominations the denominations <laughs> the different branches the different branches <laughs> what brand of christianity are you you know i feel like there are christian churches that are accepting of all people and you know they're they've progressed with the times and they're not stuck in the past but it's just when you look at certain teachings like it just doesn't make sense like at all like what we were saying earlier god made you this way and love is the most important thing there is in this life. But we're going to send you down to earth and you don't get to engage in it. Sorry. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. Like, it's just not logical. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Like, what a sad life to live. To be told that because of how you were born and how God created you, that you're going to be sent down and put on this earth and you don't ever get to engage in a romantic relationship because of how you are how could that possibly be the answer that's just such a sad life to live and there's no way there's no way that 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 is how it is yeah it's such a big part of the human experience and arguably one of the best things that you can have in your life and to share that with someone else that you love is just necessary Mm-hmm. to get everything out yeah. of what we have in this world and everyone deserves it and if you want to talk about how we're spiritual beings and spirituality and we're not our body and we're not our mind that we are our soul so when you take that apart and say I'm not my body and like, you are attracted to a certain person and like, their actual being does that make sense? Yeah. I I tried to have the, this conversation with mom most recently when I saw her last. It just all led back to this is what the faith teaches and that's what I believe in. And so it's hard to have conversations like that because like at the end, like mom and people who are very devout in their religion that's what they also fully believe so you can only say so much and try to instill your ideas Mm -hmm. to a certain extent but also have to respect theirs too because they are abiding by what they think is right in their views right do you feel kind of change the subject but generally do you feel safe like have you ever had a moment moments where you're feeling like you're in a situation where your safety is jeopardized by any means because of being queer yeah i don't think i've ever felt 
unsafe, but there have been several times where I've felt very uncomfortable and know that, that I've been judged. But I've never felt like I was going to be like, I don't know, assaulted or anything like that, like verbally or physically. Well, how? Okay, I should have asked this earlier. So how do you identify? Um, I say queer. And what is that? Or mean? dyke. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> no, I just like that word. Um, no, I say queer. I. It's something I've been trying to understand for myself because I pretty much solely find myself only attracted to women. And those are the only relationships I have pursued in the past five years. Wait, how old am I? 28. <laughs> Will be 28. Yeah, no, sorry, like six years at this point. Uh, but I've like also told myself that I am open to whoever comes into my life, whether that be a non-binary person, a trans person, but I've never actually experienced that. And I don't know if that would be something I would pursue. I don't know. I don't know how it would like sit in my body, honestly, cause I've never experienced it, but, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think like saying queer necessarily would include straight men because I'm just, finding that I'm it's just not what I'm attracted to anymore but I don't like to say I don't know it's a hard question to answer I would definitely or have dated a non-binary person so like technically saying lesbian wouldn't be accurate either yeah but that's also like for me to say and not necessarily based on who I'm with so I just say queer okay great <laughs> thank you <laughs> uh, well I'm glad <laughs> I am very glad um, I thank you for coming <laughs> it's nice to have you <laughs> No, real talk. I'm glad we were able to have this conversation. We didn't, like, we haven't actually talked much about it other than, hey, I think girls are pretty. Congrats. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, <laughs> and that was basically the end of it. Um, mm-hmm. And we've lived apart since I moved out of the house. So, like, our... Unfortunately... I mean, our entire family's relationship is based around folk also, for the most part. It's been interesting to have this conversation with you. Interesting. That's a bad word to use. It's, I'm so tired. I have a three-year-old child sleeping on me right now, and it's dark outside. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> So great, you're gonna move to New York. We'll have more conversations like this. You're gonna move to Bushwick, probably. 
I don't know. West Village was really cute today. West Village is so cute, but it's $9 million for a studio apartment. Yeah. That's what it seems like. Yeah. No, it's adorable. Washington Square is cute. You walked around the park? Washington Square. You know, we sat there for a bit. Did you see all the drug tables? (laughs) Bro, yeah. This man just selling joints out of a jar. They had shrooms and stuff, too. And acid, usually. Do whatever you want. Yeah. No, I appreciate you having me here. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's the first episode of A Beautiful Shit Show. Well, it'll be the second, because I'm going to do like an opening episode of... Yeah, I hope you crop this up to make it sound a lot better. I will. Um, no, I'm excited. I'm happy to talk about this stuff, and I feel like I... I mean, I haven't really talked about it much, like, in depth with people that are in my family, because there's only so many people I can talk to it about with. <laughs> talk to it about with. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. Means a lot. Yeah. And with, with more time, it'll just be hopefully an easier thing for you, and it'll just be... A conversation and not a conversation. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It, it is infinitely easier. Like, I can't even explain. Like, it doesn't... There's no uncomfortability anymore at this point. Um, That's good. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry Times that you were suffering changed. so much. I wish you had said something earlier. Yeah, well... I feel like I'm a pretty accepting person. Hello? <laughs> I don't know, man. It was just... It was heavy inside, so... But I... Yeah. I hope that... Conversations like this can continue to become easier. Especially for younger people, too. It should never get to that point where you are making a decision between life or death over something that's... So great. Right. At the end of it. Yeah. No one should ever have to feel that. MLG. The MLG. clothing. That's what That's I said. That's what I do. Fuck. Remember I told, yeah, I said that. I said, I told her, I was like, you should start a clothing line called MLG, and it can be environmentally mm-hmm. conscious clothing brand mm-hmm. that donates profits to queer youth. Youth. I know. Stuff. I've been slacking. MLG. That's so cute. Mm-hmm. I hope. I need to purchase the trademark. It's like 500 bucks. Okay. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> yeah. We have money. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Manifest it. Just keep saying it. I have money. I have it. We always I got money. We have money. It always comes back. Yeah, I know. I've never not been able to figure it out. So. Okay. You ready for bed? Yeah, let's go lesbians. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Happy Pride. So that is episode two of a beautiful shit show. Thank you again, Sarah, for this. I really appreciate it, and I'm very confident that you sharing your story will help someone out there even if it's just one person it is a snowball effect you helping that one person they'll go on and help someone else and 
yeah, it's just how it works. So, so thank you for everyone for listening. I really appreciate it. This is just the beginning and I have very big plans and goals for this. And I am very grateful that you're here and I'm very excited to see this all unravel and watch this dream of mine expand to the thing that I know that it can be. So if you feel so inclined, please share with your friends, with your family, post it on your story, write a letter to your grandma about it, send a telegram to someone. I don't know. I don't even know if you can do that anymore. A carrier pigeon. I don't know. Just go out and talk about this if you would like. I would very so much appreciate it. And one other thing that I want to touch on too, Sarah spoke about dealing with suicidal thoughts and suicidal ideation, which is also something that I have struggled with in the past and something that I will be tapping into in later episodes. And I just want to say that no matter what you're dealing with in life, life truly does get so much better. It really does. I have been in a mental headspace where I could barely see the light. And I am so grateful that I made it through that. And so if you are listening and and you find yourself in a similar headspace, just know that it truly, really does get better. And there are so many people on this earth that love you and support you and people that you haven't even met yet who will support you and love you through this journey. And there are so many resources out there that can help you get through these headspaces. If you call or text the number 988, that is the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline, they will answer immediately. If you don't feel like talking on the phone, you can text with them. There's just many resources out there that I will also be putting in the description or caption of this episode. And uh, and yeah, it's a beautiful life, really beautiful and amazing life that we get to live. It is a shit show. It really is a shit show. It's a beautiful shit show. <laughs> That's why we're here to talk about all this stuff, but there's just so much beauty on the other side of hard times. I'm grateful to be here. I am very grateful that my sister made it through those thoughts as well, but I know it can be hard, but just know that there is help out there. So thank you for listening and yeah, tune in next Friday. New episodes dropping every Friday and yeah, so we'll talk soon. Bye.